I think the key is definitely around that world of seamless transition. And I love that phrase because there's so many bumps in everybody's life in general. This is Josh. And this is Nicole. And you're listening to the Oregon Transition Podcast. Brought to you by the TTAN, the Transition Technical Assistance Network and professionals across the state. We've got you covered from Portland to Ontario, from Hood River to Klamath Falls, from Seaside to Burns, and everywhere in between. Welcome back, pod people, to another great episode of the Oregon Transition Podcast from home, where you are listening to Josh and I live from our closets. And we are using the magic of technology, and I mean magic. So without this technology, we wouldn't be able to bring you these podcasts from home because we are still in our house, both using our closets because the sound is a little bit better, and we're able to share files over the computer. It's even more evident in this day and age with the pandemic happening that how important technology is in our everyday lives. So in this episode, we're going to speak to individuals that would have presented at the Oregon Statewide Transition Conference in April. They're going to talk about how they support individuals that experience disabilities with technology. Uh, My name is Brian Sacre. I'm an assistive technology specialist. Uh, I work for a little tiny company out of Salem called Access Technologies. Access Technologies Incorporated is a small firm in Salem that is accessible for people statewide and right now it's being underutilized. So so we're we're trying uh, to, to make sure people remember that we still exist. Uh, we have a lab that has 2,000 physical objects in it and about 500 pieces of software and so, uh, so some folks have actually called us and said you know like uh, my my mouse uh, that I use uh, that, that that works really well for me. Um, it, it's it's locked in a classroom that I can't get into. Uh, what can I do? Well, we can, if we have one, we can mail it to you, and you can borrow it. Uh, usually, uh, when people borrow things, there's a cleaning and maintenance fee. It's like nine dollars. Well, it's exactly nine dollars, and um, then it turns into a rental. But if it's COVID related, we've kind of waived. Uh, any uh, any fees and we just say you know like when it's all over please send it back <laughs> and, and and to be fair uh, when, when we put things on the honor system they, they, they work out really well so Nicole they give out mouses well not the live kind Josh but uh, if you have an ergonomic problem and you find that you need a specific mouse to work they might be able to help you but that's not all they give out What else do they give out? They have quite a large library. But I did ask Brian what his favorite piece of technology in the library was. Uh, Well, the one that makes me uh, feel like I'm in a James Bond movie the most is is the smart pen. Uh, The the younger folks are probably going to recognize them, but a smart pen has a a recording uh, device built into the pen itself. And there's a camera in the pen and, and, and as a person's attending a lecture or a doctor's uh, meeting, they, they, they don't have to write that many notes, but they can, they can write some notes and it's recording audio. And so they can come back and tap where they wrote 
and the audio plays back. Uh, it, it's great for people who they, they can't write that well for any number of reasons. It's great for people who have memory difficulties and uh, for, for those folks that have that, that attention span difficulty where listening and writing at the same time is, is just a, an insurmountable task. Uh, that, that's one of my favorites, but uh, we, we, we have a lot of communication devices for the nonverbal and uh, a lot of different mounting systems and switches for, for people with mobility difficulties and a, a whole lot of magnification options for low vision. Hmm. If, you can, if you can imagine it, we, we've probably got it or we're trying to bring it in. And if, if you can't imagine it, it probably will exist. Everything that we offer in our in our library, if a person borrows it, uh, they they know what it costs, and uh, ordinarily uh, these things turn into a rental at twenty dollars a month. Uh, so if they have like a two hundred dollar device, a lot of your portable speech communication devices are in the two hundred dollar range. Uh, so if they borrowed it for eleven months, they've basically paid for a device, and and that's what we'll tell them: you've basically paid for it. Uh, but we 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 do cooperative buys and. That uh, we we find a way. That that's what we do. Uh, smart pens. I think smart pens are, are are brilliant, and I wish that technology existed when I was in college. And I w wish I had one when I wrote IEPs for twenty years. The brilliant thing about a smart pen is that it is able to record the meeting while it's happening and you're not able to read your handwriting, which I often had that problem when I was taking notes in college, you can rewind to that part of the lecture or the meeting and be able to figure out what you wrote down. Because you know it's important because you wrote it down. I've been meeting with accommodation specialists in colleges and that can be an accommodation that can be used in college for, for note-taking. I think that if a student is going to has a goal to go to college and they're going to use that accommodation while they're in college, it would be great to be able to start practicing using a smart pen when they're in high school. Would they be able to access one from Access Technology, do you think? That's a great question, Josh. Anyone can check out the library of technological items at Access Technology. Additionally, they provide assessments in partnership with VR and DD. And if those assessments are shown that a person is in need of a device, access technology can provide it. The other side would be an assessment. And assessments, again, are fee-for-service. They, they take about an hour of the person's time, and they're usually done through voc rehab. Uh, vocational rehab uh, does, does a great job of, of helping students uh, you know, take care of the, the things that used to be covered by their IEP, but once you go to college, you're kind of, uh, I don't want to say limited, but you're, you're kind of usually left with what the, the, the accommodations department of that particular school has. And um, there, there isn't always enough to go around. Uh, so if a school gets inundated with, uh, you know, individuals that, that have hearing loss and they only have like three amplification devices, they might call us in to, to talk to these individuals and see if, we can recommend technology to, to bring in for them and, and also to keep at the school. Brian has talked about what their company can offer, who their company partners with, and now let's hear a little bit about his topic from OSTC. 
this year we were going to talk about the technology that people already have in their pocket, their smartphones, and maybe their tablets, and the accessibility features that are built into them. So while you're waiting for accommodations to come through, uh, maybe you can turn on these accessibility features and, and get to where you need to get to. Yeah, Nicole, I'm really interested to hear what he had to say about uh, use of smartphones because I couldn't agree more. We had this amazing, most, many of us have this amazing piece of technology that they carry around all the time in their smartphones that could either be used to play video games or used as an accessibility tool. To see a modified version of Brian's presentation on using your smartphone as assistive technology, check out their YouTube page, which is under Access Technologies, Inc. Or you can find the link on our Facebook page at Oregon Transition Podcast. How do I get a hold of them? So on the website, it's uh, www.accesstechnologiesinc.org. Um, there's there's a very large selection of our lending library that's available with a, a little description and a link to uh, what, what each item is. Um, the, the assistive technology marketplace, uh, not just uh, things that we rehome, but it, again, it's like a Craigslist for durable medical equipment. So if you've outgrown some technology, you can list it uh, for free and, and hopefully connect with the buyer. There's the, uh, the part where people could join our team. Uh, we, we, We've always been a little bit short-staffed, so we are actively hiring, um, and we, we try to send people through the website to, to do that, as well as uh, up-to-the-minute information on uh, resources uh, from some of our manufacturers, uh, not, not our manufacturers, but vendors who have been in contact with us uh, to let us know that, for example, their $500 software is available for free until say the end of June. That's that's a real world example from Freedom Scientific who makes JAWS. I like to have people try to check the website before they give us a call, but if they give us a call, uh, a lot of what's on there, we already kind of know and we can just talk through it. It's always a pleasure to interview people that would have spoken at the Oregon Statewide Transition Conference and we're so excited that Brian has provided access to what his materials would have been via his YouTube channel. So we really encourage you to check that out. It's important to know what's available for students and individuals. And on that note, there's already a lot of technology happening in schools right now that are supporting students. Josh, you were able to sit down with someone and, and speak about what's happening in the classroom. I sure was, but I think he can explain it better than I can. Yeah, my name is Mike Deeds. I work for the Marcola School District as our social, emotional, and learning uh, systems coordinator. Uh, that includes working with small groups of students, uh, teaching our connections classes, which have a heavy focus on social emotional learning. And then I also oversee our WIOA Youth Services Program, which is a grant program uh, that focuses on career development for in-school and out-of-school youth. That was just Mike Geeds. And Mike works at Marcola School District, which is a small school district that's about 10 miles north of Springfield, Oregon. I met Mike three years ago when I began my work as a TNF, and I've always been impressed with his amazing rapport with his students. And Mike is still keeping in touch with all of his students and using technology to do so. 
technology-wise for a small rural district, we are uh, uh, pretty ahead of the curve. Um, when the school closed down, um, our district um, was able to get technology out to all of our students a few days uh, before the we needed to close the campuses, so that was really great. So uh, Marcola has a heavy focus on innovation and the use of technologies uh, to support our students. So for me, um, you know, I use a lot of different platforms when working with the youth that I work for. It just really depends on the individual. Um, but anything from, you know, the uh, full Google suite um, to, you know, different kind of uh, more novelty sites that uh, maybe just individual students like to use uh, to communicate. Um, but it just really depends, I guess, on, on what the activity is. Um, but I really enjoy technology and, you know, I think for the young people that we all work with and support, I think technology is very much a part of their world. And so being able to navigate technology, you know, really uh, increases the, the helping relationship and, and directly benefits the, the young person. Many of our classrooms are um, sort of go through a Google Classroom platform um, just for, you know, student resource in the Connections classrooms uh, when we provide, uh, you know, maybe the homework support or something like that, which we have uh, days that are delegated for homework support for any of our students that uh, attend those classes. Oftentimes helping students navigate Google Classroom, you know, for homework completion, things like that. And, you know, thinking of our middle school group, we use Cognitoa uh, quite a bit um, when um, it fits into our lessons and our um, sort of whatever it is that we're focusing on. And that's been a really great tool for our students um, just because of the, the layout. Um, it's very user friendly and then just the, the depth of uh, resource that it provides. It sounds like Mike is in the kind of the same boat as a lot of the other teachers right now across the state where they're really relying heavily on Google Classroom as a resource for their students and providing them support in navigating that. But he also mentions this other technology that we are both aware of called Cognitopia. Yes, and pod people, you're familiar with Cognitopia too. On Oregon Transition Podcast, Season 1, Episode 5, Self-Advocacy, we played a student-facilitated IEP. So my strengths are, I am a fun person to be around. Uh, I am I am hard at working. And my strength is also being independent. And my strength is also being with people. Nicole, did you know McKenna was using My Life, which is a Cognitopia ePortfolio product, to facilitate her own IEP? You know, Josh, I did, but for the sake of keeping things fresh in our podcast, I'll say I didn't. On that note, let's hear from Tom Keating, an another speaker from the Oregon Statewide Transition Conference, and his team, and let's have them discuss how Cognitopia got started. I'm Tom Keating. I'm the CEO and founder of Cognitopia. You know, Cognitopia uh, kind of has a long history. It, uh, it grew out of my experiences with my brother who had autism, my brother James. And uh, he moved in to live with me here in Eugene uh, 
in the mid 80s and we started doing independent living skills stuff using computers and it was really a transformative thing because uh, kind of gave him control over what he was doing and the plans he wanted to make each week and uh, a lot of what we did was budgeting and when we budgeted I could have the computer show him how much money he was spending and uh, make it graphic and understandable and when he ran out of money I could point to the computer and say hey James look the computer says you don't have any more money left and he took that bad news a lot better from the computer than he did uh, from me. It's always great to hear that a real-life scenario and situation can inspire the creativity for someone to design something that can help a multitude of people. And that's really what Tom and Cognitopia has done. They've created a platform that can help students across the state in, in accessing ways of being self-advocates and ways of learning. So Nicole, Tom talked about Cognitopia's beginnings. What does Cognitopia look like now? We like to describe Cognitopia in terms of three main tools that are available on the platform. Uh, routines is a tool that supports task accomplishment with multimedia routines, where you can have images, video, or text, or URLs. You can have uh, whatever kind of media you want to provide instruction on accomplishment of, of, of a, a routine. It could be a daily living routine, it could be a work task, it could be a social skill. The, the, the range of domains that you can use that technique for is pretty broad. Um, then we have something called Goal Guide, which is also gives step-by-step -step support for uh, task completion, but also allows you to schedule activities, get reminders, and take data on your accomplishments so that you can see that and share it with other people on your team. And then finally, we have My Life, which is a tool uh, in its first version. It was a tool for IEP self-direction that, that helps students understand what was in their IEP, uh, build a database of information about their their goals, their accomplishments, uh, the, their interests and strengths and preferences, and then use that to help facilitate their IEP meetings, and in some case, lead their IEP meetings uh, entirely. Uh, that tool, My Life, has since become much more than that. It's a, more, it's a customizable tool, and it can be used for person-centered planning. It can be used part, as part of an individual plan for employment. It's, it, uh, it can be used in lots of flexible ways. Tom did a great job of explaining the different types of areas that Cognitopia really focuses on. And I know that as a previous educator yourself, Josh, you utilized Cognitopia with your students, right? Yeah, Nicole, I did. And it was a real game changer for me. And we started out using Goal Guide. And the reason why we started using Goal Guide is because students would set goals with me and be able to track goals with me but I was holding all their information and all their progress. Once we started using Goal Guide, the goals became their own. They were the ones that were tracking it on the Goal Guide app. And then it turned into where the student would set a goal like, I wanna learn how to cook. And we would have a cooking class, but 
I never felt comfortable standing with them in the kitchen, guiding them through step by step because I wouldn't be in their house doing that with them. What we would do is we would set set the, the steps needed on goal guide and students would be in the kitchen cooking and I would be able to monitor their progress from a different room with my Cognitopia app open. And if I saw they were getting stuck, I can go support. But what it did was it let students be a lot more independent. Was that routines or goal guide? When I was using it, it was goal guide. That's because routines was not developed yet when I was a teacher. Now, what I would do is I would use the routines app and the routines app acts like a task analysis where if you're learning how to cook or you're learning how to ride the city bus or you're learning almost anything, you are creating a step-by-step guide to be able to complete your task. You do that enough times, it becomes a goal. And then you're looking at how much independence do you need for each step. So you can take your routine and put it into goal guide and then start tracking it. You are not the only teacher that has used Cognitopia. Let's go back to Mike and see what his thoughts were. Mostly we use the My Life profile um, just because it's a really great way for us uh, when we start working with uh, the younger students as they move from fifth grade to sixth grade. Um, the Marcola campus is uh, split between two buildings. So uh, when we start working with those new middle school students, it gives us an opportunity to learn more about them as they build their profile and we support them in their creating of their profile. It allows for that rapport uh, to happen and then also for the, the students themselves to really start to understand some of their preferences, interests, needs, and strengths, those pins that, that we always talk about. Did you find it was difficult for the students to learn how to use it? No, no actually, not really. Uh, I think after, I think we spent two days uh, really sticking together as a group um, to just click on things, you know, and see what they did um, and add pictures and things like that. But I think the students picked it up rather quickly to the point where a few you know, days into it, they were showing me and my coworker, our co-teacher, uh, how to do different things in the profile, and they were already uh, connecting up uh, with one another uh, within their profiles as well, so that was really neat to see. Uh, the platform itself, I think, is very intuitive, and it looks, I've always told Tom this, that it's very, it looks very reminiscent of social media, so I think that, um, you know, gets the kids' interest and maybe a little bit of buy-in because it looks like it, even though it doesn't uh, necessarily operate as a social media platform. Here's another teacher that partners closely with Cognitopia and is utilizing the apps. Uh, I'm Anders Pedersen. Uh, I am a special ed teacher in 4J, the Connections Program for students 18 to 21 year old. Right now, it's kind of nice for students with this um, COVID-19 situation that we have um, for students to be able to share um, what they're doing and just post things um, if it's goal related or just uh, special interests um, but you can stay in contact with the team uh, though not meeting with teachers or team per se so um, i've had um, last week we had an ip meeting where a student was using the, the my life to facilitate um, his IP, which um, I know for a fact, had he had not had access to that, it would have been 
very short and very dry and not yeah not a not a good ip and would not have been able to to share his skills and goals what he wants to to get out of uh, these years here before graduating and for students what it does is it gives them tools you know we like to say that cognitopia is the place where self-determination comes to life and and and, and what we mean by that is that self-determination is a really uh, important construct and something to strive for in our field. But students need tools to help them behave in ways that build that sense of self-determination. And that's what we're developing. We're developing the tools, the self-management applications that students can use to, to be more independent. And then at the same time, have ways for team members, teachers, counselors, the vocational rehabilitation specialists, and other people, therapists, to plug in, in as part of the team and collaborate around the student's uh, education in a more effective way. So as you heard, there are teachers that are already utilizing this in classrooms. And as we don't really know what the climate's going to be next year, it could be a virtual option for some people. Cognitopia already had these different remote support and collaboration features built into it before the, the pandemic descended upon us. Um, but those, those features have really come to the fore, uh, you know, and, 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 the, and you can assign routines remotely, you know, to students, uh, you know, uh, if there's, uh, you know, we've had the example come up of someone who had a work experience job working in a supermarket, doing packing, you know, grocery packing. And, uh, you know, could we create a routine that helped them continue to practice that while they were home, maybe with help from a parent, you know? And you don't want to like dump all the educational responsibility on parents, but at the same time, as you said, people are looking for activities and routines to help keep things going. So if you can get like a picture based and with videos and, a sequence that just kind of walks you through it, you know, you're probably in a better position than trying to do that on your own. So Nicole, I've got a question for you. Students are working on their My Life ePortfolio or have goals on Goal Guide or have routines that they're, they're using that they're building while they're in school. What happens when they leave school? So, uh, you know, we have students uh, graduating high school, take this with them, uh, some of them to uh, community college or, or inclusive post-secondary education four-year, two or four-year programs. They take it with them into the world of work and, and into uh, independent living. And, you know, we've got uh, a local partner here, supported living, learning, and earning with autism that does a great job of showing how this works in the, in the supported living context. For more information about Cognitopia, get a hold of Tom and his team. Anyone can go to www.cognitopia.com and they can also go to blog.cognitopia.com and there are, we have lots of cool user stories on our blog illustrating uh, all the kinds of ways that people are, are, are using the platform and uh, they can call or email us at, uh, they can email us at contact at cognitopia.com or call us at 866-573-3658 and uh, we'll, we'll help them out. 
this episode was all about using technology. We talked with some great people at Access Technology. We learned a little bit more about Cognitopia. And we just kind of topped the surface of all of the resources that are out there for people that need them. Over the last two months, we've used a lot of technology to communicate because we couldn't meet in person. Nicole, would you say that everybody's getting a little bit more comfortable with utilizing technology? I would, and I also think that this trend is going to be one that continues. I think there are a lot of benefits for students and professionals accessing technology, and I'm excited to see where this goes. I'm excited too, because I just feel like all these resources are enabling us to be closer together, be in contact more, and better collaboration. So Nicole, my pager's buzzing. I better go check it. All right, Josh. My uh, my Wi-Fi router is blinking, so I should probably check that too. Um, well, pod people, thanks for joining us this time, and peace out. And be well. And maybe we'll learn something along the way too. Maybe I'll learn another technology support for me. Maybe you'll learn that it's okay to finally give up your pager. Ouch, Nicole.